It's time for JT the Brick. Marcheseau scores! Jonathan Marcheseau wins it in overtime with 17 seconds to go! What is going on? I don't understand this. This is supposed to be a Stanley Cup product, period, all the time that we're out there. And I know there's injuries, and I know you're not going to be at 100% full strength. I get all that, but come on. JT the Brick. Out for Stone, here he comes, working left side, he shoots, he scores! Mark Stone, he wins it in overtime! This is supposed to be a one seed, two seed at its worst. Really disappointing to see the play of the Vegas Golden Knights, who I pulled for to win. Really disappointed, they need to wake up. And now, here's JT the Brick. Well, Bobby broke out the Golden Knight Open. It used to be a love fest with me all the time. I call it an all-star team. How many cups can we win? Well, their back is up against the wall as they take on the Kraken. In Seattle, uh, joining us, Shane Knighty, former player and current analyst on television. Great analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights. Shane, good to talk to you again, especially coming into an historic game, an important game in the history of this franchise. Yeah, it's been a while, JT. Uh, yeah, big game for the Golden Knights. Uh, you know, It's the biggest game of the season until the next game. That's the way it is going to be down the stretch for this team, uh, You know, understanding the situation they're in. and uh, It's uh, you know, 14 games left. They're looking. They need nine to ten wins here if they want to have a chance to be in a playoff position. So each game carries that amount of weight. And you know, first time in the new building, Seattle. So I think there's a little bit of energy for that. But you know, hopefully, you look at the last two wins, and those are those are kind of wins you can build off here for this team. And certainly, getting some healthy bodies back also adds a big boost to the team. Not not only on the ice, but in the room. There's there's an energy that gets created, and hopefully. That translates to the ice for them. Shane Knighty is our guest. Shane, how did they get here? I mean, big picture for our listeners who are streaming us all over the country. How did they get in a position with the salary cap, injuries, you know, just not playing to the best of their ability? Big picture on why their back is up against the wall. Uh, listen, I'm not a guy for excuses, but I do, I do have to take into reality and – Every team deals with injuries, but the magnitude I've seen with this team, and I've been between playing and broadcasting out, what, 25 years? I don't think I've seen a team get hit with this many key injuries for that substantial time of line. Now, that said, that happens, and you've got to find a way. I think early in the season, uh, you know, they lost Carlson, Stone, Pacioretty early on, some other key, uh, Martinez early. They found a way to hold water early. But when you come back and, ha- and you think, okay, you got to just hold water, December they got healthy, best month of the season, then got hit again between COVID, between injuries. And it is tough to try and go through it a second time. And at that time of the year, especially February, everything gets cranked up. You know, it, there's a switch. You've got it. So it's not the same level of play. Everything's turned up. It's harder to hold water when you have those major injuries to you. Um, but you've got to find a way. And now I think, they look like they have an NHL defense now. Uh, you know, Martinez back is huge for them this season. Uh, possibly Braden McNabb, huge for them. Zach Whitecloud has missed lots of chunks of time back. Um, so, you know, they got to this place uh, because of, you know, decimated. We've seen, you know, Logan Thompson take over, loses their number one, two goaltenders. Um, just, you know, they've been decimated with injury. But, uh you know, other teams have found a way to fight through, and they've got to. They're still in a position here. Now that they're getting healthy, it's a matter of finding a way, and uh, destiny's in their hands. Shane Knighty is our guest, part of the Golden Knights broadcast team. 
Shane, when it comes to the goaltender situation, Robin Leonard with the injuries that he's had, Flurry was let go. Now Flurry's in Minnesota after Chicago. Uh, what is the best case scenario we can get from the goaltender position here down the stretch to secure one of these wild card playoff positions? Well, yeah, we you know uh, you know Robin Leonard when he's healthy and playing is great. How healthy is he? We don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. This is uh, it, it's on him to, to come back and play. I've I've been impressed with Logan Thompson. What I like about Logan Thompson's game is his compete, his battle. Um, you know, he's a guy that's got to got to learn the league here. But I think you know he's given him a chance to win when he's been in. There's been a couple of games, and I'm sure a few goals. Which for a first first time goal National Hockey League, you're going to get that. But it, you, you watch him battle for pucks around the blue paint through traffic. Certainly, you know at times maybe overextends his positioning, but. The compete is what I always love and what I always measure. A lot of players, both whether you're a forward defenseman or even a goaltender, which I'm not going to even pretend to know a lot about that position there, JT. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's one for the guys that played it. They're, those, they're the ones that understand it. But I always can tell compete. I was fortunate enough to be on a Boston Bruins team with a goaltender that technically was not great, but I don't think anybody would out-compete Tim Thomas, uh, you know, who, who guided us and led us to a Stanley Cup, set the record that season, I think, for – uh, save percentage in the NHL history. So, you know, that, that goes a long ways with me. But, um, you know, yeah, they'd love to have Robin Leonard back and healthy and playing to the top of his capabilities because that gives them their best chance. Shane, you should have saw me with the JT the Brick 9 jersey on. They gave me the 9 two years ago before anybody thought of Eichel. I'm in there in the lower bowl. I'm screaming. They're down 3 nothing. Entering the third, I tell my buddies, we need a dirty one quick. we got to put the puck on net. And then they exploded. Did you sense in the building that that was the beginning? Martinez in the locker room, the speech. Eichel getting a big goal at a big time. That that could catapult them and be the game that they could look back on and go on this playoff run. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of games you do build off of. I thought they, they broke out the game before. I thought maybe that one, but then I watched 40 minutes of, uh, well, I won't say the word, what we watched in that game against Chicago, and all of a sudden the third, probably the most exciting period we've seen this series, this year. And you, you just touched on it. Alec Martinez, and when I mentioned those injuries and those guys out of the lineup, not only on the ice, having been a guy who's been in that room and know how important it is, those voices – in the room, guys like Martinez, like Mark Stone, your captain, even a guy like Braden McNabb, who's an absolute warrior for this team. Those guys in the room is huge. And Martinez might be one of the biggest guys that's won a couple of Stanley Cups and knows how to handle every situation. That That is a huge influence in a team. But they found a way in that third period. That's the type of game you build off of. Uh, you know, this is a, a team that's going. I think Jack Eichel, where he's starting to get back to, to, to Jack Eichel. It takes a long time. This is a guy that's missed, well, I, everybody says a year, but he only played, you know, 20-some games here before. Like two years of hockey mm-hmm. he has missed uh, and has come back, and it's going to take a while. And, you know, I think he, he does things that just nobody else can do. And, and I've talked to a bunch of guys uh, that come in and watch some analysts and former players, and, and they just they rave about his abilities. And I think we're just starting to see it come along here. And uh, you, you've yet to see – his top because I think he's just starting to get there, get more comfortable and get back to game speed after missing that, that much time. Shane, last one. It's a brand new building for the Golden Knights to play in. Do you think there's some envy in Seattle about what's <laughs> happened at T-Mobile and the unbelievable pregame show and the cracking that they put on the ice in Vegas? Are you expecting Seattle to step up for this, knowing how important the pregame is and the fans in the arena in Vegas? 
Oh, absolutely. I, I think Seattle's been waiting for this since uh, since the Kraken was unleashed at T-Mobile. I'm sure they've got something special planned. This is a, a brand-new facility. I think, you know, you're seeing team, And I love it. This is what, what buildings should have. And, I, you know, Seattle, their game presentation, game ops staff, will, uh, I'm sure they've been working on this one for a while. It should make for an entertaining start. And you know what? Both teams can feed off that. It's always good to have electricity in the stands and that, in that building. Uh, you know, it gets the juices flowing a lot better for the guys to flow out in the ice. Thanks, Shane. We'll talk to you soon. I'll see you in the building. Thank you. You bet. Have a great one. Thanks very you much. Got it. You got it. Shane Knighty, great analyst. Fantastic. One of the best in all of hockey as an analyst on the night's television broadcast. Everybody who's here in Vegas, the hockey fans that I talk to, and I talk to more in life than I do on the show, I switch stations, came to the Raiders side of the building. All our hockey fans are like, what are you doing? We're on here every day at noon. We're talking VGK. It's a playoff push. It'd be tough to say they're going to make the playoffs if they lose tonight. They have a nice momentum, a couple of big games back-to-back. Tonight they play an inferior team in Seattle who's going to be up for the game. It's going to be huge. Our buddy Chet Buchanan works in the building now as the public address announcer. And I think that's a cool sideline story, friend of the show. They got to win this game. You got to beat the Kraken if you want to get into the playoffs. And no excuses, as Shane said, but the injuries, the goaltending issue, Mark Stone not being available, Patch already, the guys who haven't been available trying to trade Dadnoff, bringing him back. Too bad. Mr. Foley, like Mr. Davis, Mr. Foley put a lot of money behind this team, gave everybody the greatest experience in game in all of hockey. These players now need to suck it up and play big. They have to be great, and they should because they're getting paid a lot of money. Bill Foley went out and spent a boatload of money on this team and this experience so everybody could have a great time in the playoffs at T-Mobile. For weeks on end, the last couple of years when the playoffs start here, my wife and I, we have a calendar in the kitchen, and we look at the calendar and we say, when are we going to a night's game? It's the playoffs. Well, I got to work this game. It's a night game. I can't do it. Oh, there's a weekend. Can we go? And we find a way to go because this town over the last four years in the playoffs, just going to Toshiba Plaza, going to get a beer at Beer House, afterwards going over to Nomad afterwards, hooking up with friends in between periods. This is now something I'm used to. This is part of my social life when we get to April, May, and June. This team doesn't make the playoffs. It will be a dead silence in Vegas at T-Mobile walking around the plaza as hockey is going to be on nationally throughout North America and Vegas isn't going to be there with this roster, with this team, with the amount of money that went into this franchise, that would be tremendously disappointing. Not at a level of UNLV basketball not making the NIT. Not at a level of UNLV football not winning two games. This is the NHL. We're big boy town now, everybody. Raiders and the Knights need to make the playoffs every year. And when they don't, it's a big story. Raiders made the playoffs. The Knights have been perennial playoff partners coming in here. I think the whole city's got to get behind this the next couple of weeks and push this team, especially the home games, to get it done. Tonight's game's against Seattle. This is a must-win game against a team you have to bury. 702-365-9200. That was quick. Shane Knighty and Brian Windhorst. And Raymond Chester. Now I got an open line for you to get you up here. 
If you joined us late, the question of the day is, what is the new perception of the Raiders nationally coming off the owners' meetings with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels? What have you noticed on television with all the coverage out there? Let us know as we're brought to you by Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. Sam and Ash Injury Law, my personal injury attorneys. Carr will go back into the gun on this third down. Takes it back, looks in the end zone, looks for a crosser, throws deep corner, jump ball, touchdown! Jackpot, baby! Raider touchdown! Darren Waller! Yeah, baby! Brent Mutzberger on the call. JT back with you. Brought to you by our good friends at Remy Martin. Team up with Remy Martin with a cocktail in your hand. Remy Martin, a leader up and down the strip for the NFL draft here as we head into the month of April. Right around the corner, a ton of NFL news from the NFL owners' meetings. I want to go around uh, the horn with it with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, one of the best and most knowledgeable NFL insiders, the former longtime voice of the Chargers, Seahawks, and legendary sports talk host in Southern California. Lee, good to talk to you, and let's begin with Buffalo getting $850 million in public money. I've always supported the public money. I don't think owners all want to pour concrete and build stadiums. And a lot of times it brings about economic fluctuation, but support long-term. How do you see the deal in Buffalo? I signed the memo. I think it's good. It keeps the franchise there. It's, it's aggravated everybody back in San Diego where I am based because they never were able to get the stadium built uh, to keep the chargers here. And the bitterness just continues to move on. But, you know, this is the modern-day business that the NFL is in. You know, the NFL G3 fund, I think, is an ideal model for some other sports to follow as to how to get stadiums built. Baseball is really struggling in places. Baseball has never taken the step that the National Football League did by putting together the G3 blueprint, where the league puts money into the pot, the owner has to put money into the pot, the cities and county governments of those respective franchises put money into the pot, and that's how Buffalo got it done. And Buffalo is really small market. It's a regional franchise. It's a proud franchise. Uh, you know, this is the second stadium that they've built for the Bills and have gone through a renovation, too, of, of what was Ralph Wilson Stadium. So, I mean, this is an accomplishment, but this has been fueled by the NFL's creative genius that will help you finance it and you sell PSLs and naming rights, and everybody puts money uh, towards the finish line, and that's how you get these deals done. Didn't happen in Oakland, didn't happen in San Diego. Sadly, and I think the differences between those cities and the ones we're talking about right now, notably Buffalo, is the owners want to stay, whereas the Raiders wanted to move, the Chargers owner wanted to move, and they, they walked away from their cities that had worked hard to try to put a deal together. Hacksaw is our guest. You know, Lee, you can always find an economist or multiple in cities saying it's not a good investment long term. It's going to depreciate. There's going to be problems with it. And I always say you got to look long term. We're seeing in Vegas with the hotel tax, which really was beneficial for Mark Davis. But what's going to happen with further expansion up and down the strip as Vegas goes from the entertainment capital world to a real professional sports city? And the same can be said. Kroenke was different. As you covered that story really closely, he had deep pockets to go into his own pockets and help out on top of it. But I think it's if you don't do it, you're going to lose your team. And we've seen enough franchises leave their cities over the last 20 years to know 
that there's got to be some public money because even the billionaires don't want to put all their money into a deal. Well, the, the billionaires like Kroenke and Robert Kraft are probably the exceptions to the rules. Uh, there are an awful lot of owners that are walking around with their hands out that want paydays continual. Uh, it's not an easy solution, but the NFL has found a relationship. But I guess the best word is partnership that baseball has not been able to do. And it kind of boggles my mind that baseball puts its head in the sand as it relates to the salary cap and the Florida spending and the fact that all these other sports have it and it really works and everybody profits. And baseball has refused to creatively come up with a way to help the, the franchises that have got stadium problems. Well, it's, what happened in Montreal, what's happened in Tampa Bay, what's going down in Oakland with the athletics. So the NFL is ahead of the curve in terms of getting a lot of deals done. You know, and next on the horizon is, because we're not done with the stadium conversation, JT, is what happens in Washington with the commanders and Daniel Snyder and their mm-hmm. attempts to go across a state line. And the, the state of Virginia is proposing $3 billion in, in creative financing to help the Washington Redskin commanders get a new stadium built. And Tennessee's governor yesterday said he's willing to put $500 million out there for a dome stadium. And that's just not a football home for the Titans. It'd be used for a lot of other things. So there's lots of ways to creatively finance it, but I think the NFL has found the perfect business model where everybody shares in the partnership. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. So from the owners' meeting and what Roger Goodell handled, you know, the old, let's start with the overtime rule change for the postseason. Ten of the 12 games in the postseason, the winner of the toss ended up winning the game. Not the case in the regular season. Do you, you think they got it right, leaving it out of the regular season with all the games that are going to be played and how an overtime game can go really long into the next television window and just keep it in the postseason where fans want extra football and they're going to be more and more entertained? How'd you say it? End of the day, they fixed it at the most important part of the season, which is the postseason and the playoffs. I think everybody would have been fascinated to see if Buffalo and Kansas City had uh, the equal share of the overtime rule. Had that been part of this, this last January's playoffs, how dynamic that would have been. A little surprised they didn't incorporate it to actually put it into the regular season because you're only talking about a 10-minute overtime. You're not talking about going on and on and on forever. You could still have a game uh, end in regular season in a tie, even if you inserted the new overtime rule. But they got it right. Uh, it's like everything else the National Football League Competition Committee does. They look, they evaluate, they debate, uh, and then they finally take a vote. I'd still like to see them insert a vote for a true sky judge, another eye in the sky at the stadium to help, because I think, JT, we came through some really horrific blown calls and Nobody could rationalize why New York uh, made made a decision they made with, where I think a sky judge could really help the officials on the field. But we haven't gotten to that point in time. So I do like I do like the overtime rule, the way it's structured. Now, that doesn't mean that Tom Brady won't take a team on an eight-and-a-half-minute drive yeah. and finally get him a touchdown, and the other guy's only got a minute and 30 seconds to get down the field to try to tie the score. I mean, we, this is not a perfect science by any stretch. I think the wild thing to keep in mind is, Will teams that win the coin toss now in OT, will they elect to go on defense, try to stuff the other guy, and then know what they have to get done when they get their equal possession? Fascinating story. Hacksaw's our guest as we wrap it up. What about Deshaun Watson getting the 240 guaranteed with the civil charges still pending, even though he can't be charged criminally? And Roger Goodell had to deal with that. We don't know what the suspension's going to look like. We know that there are a lot of women offended 
by this move. It's still an albatross that he has to deal with here. It looks like he won't go to jail. He won't be criminally charged. But Deshaun Watson isn't out of the woods yet, and that contract is a really big sticking point for a lot of other quarterbacks, including Lamar Jackson, who are waiting for monster extensions coming up. Well, I think one quarterback's contract impacts the next quarterback's contract and the ones that come down the road. You're correct there in terms of Lamar Jackson and the young quarterback with the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Uh, Deshaun Watson may have a place to play and may have a big money contract guaranteed starting maybe in year two in Cleveland. He's got 22 lawsuits out there still have to be solved, and I don't think that this end of the equation is going away. And the commissioner's got his hands full. He's got to make this uh, discipline decision as to what he's going to do with Deshaun Watson. Think about what's on his plate. He's got still the Daniel Snyder second probe into sexual misconduct allegations in the old Redskins regime. You got the Stephen Ross Miami Dolphins tanking uh, proposal. You got the Brian Flores systemic racism lawsuit. And you got the Watson case. I mean, the league has got a lot of stuff yeah. off the field that they have to deal with. Hey, Lee, last one. What do you think of the broadcaster movement? I find it fascinating. You've been a broadcaster for a very long time at a high level, play-by-play, radio, TV. When you see Kurt Herbstreet now doing college football and the NFL with Al Michaels, the Amazon move, Tony Romo set the bar. I thought Aikman. Aikman's the big story. He held up Fox and went there and said, I want Romo money or I'm not staying, and they gave it to him. And then Joe Buck gave up baseball where his dad broke him in the world series voice on fox so he could be with troy aikman and his wife over at espn take me through all these movements and how it's going to change sports in the next five to ten years i don't maybe i'm a traditionalist uh this spending spree is just staggering where they are playing guys paying guys 18 million dollars a year to jump ship and go somewhere else i never saw that kind of money as a voice of an nfl team or two but I, i will say this uh these guys are great talents. They are the personalities that drive the broadcasts. But the game is still really important, and the players are still really what sells, not necessarily the voice in the booth. I guess the one that really stuns me is why Al Michaels would leave where he was, where there was a standard, he was the flagship, he was paired with somebody really good in Chris Collinsworth, and why would you venture off to something really different like Amazon? I, don't, I just don't understand that. It's like he's coming off the radar. In terms of Buck and Aikman, good relationship, but I'm not sure that Buck and Aikman are equal uh, to what we've got with Jim Nance and, and mm-hmm. what Tony Romo has become. Uh, you know, the, the next standard is going to be Burkhart uh, probably working with Greg Olson. I think that's a pretty good chemistry group. So, But at the end of the day, it's the game. It's the players. It's not necessarily the broadcast. So I'm, I'm a little bit surprised at the fallout, and I'm kind of disappointed to have Al Michaels come off the Thursday uh, yeah. games, or I should say Sunday night games, because I really thought he was, he was really dynamic with Chris Collinsworth. Thank you, Lee. Always a pleasure talking to you. I'm on your website every day. Uh, plug the website here on the way out. It's brilliant. We write a ton of stuff every day on every sport. If you read it every morning, you'll be the smartest guy on the earth, aside from the guy that wrote all that stuff on the website. It's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Good to talk to you, JT. We'll chat before the draft. You got it, Lee Hamilton. Appreciate it. Maybe one of the first guys I ever called as a caller to Sports Talk Radio. Always appreciate having Lee on the show because Lee's a great guest. He's been a great host his whole career. We know that. He's got all the accolades. You put him on the radio, and he cares about the 10 to 12, 14 minutes. That's what I try to do with these guests. You know, I want to take your calls as much as you call. 
But what I want to do is put on people for 10 or 15 minutes. He could say, I learned something. He was entertaining. Tonight, today we had Shane Knighty, Raymond Chester, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, and Brian Windhorst. I mean, great job by Bobby putting this show together. I mean, this is a sports talk show, and it's not going to be all Raiders in April, May, and June. I can't do it. I need more content. we got to get more content in here. It's coming. And when we go to practice and there's OTAs and we have all of this, we, we got it all for you. We're flagship. But we're in the wheelhouse now where I'm talking sports and I'm talking about every sport. And we got the final four, and we got to spend a little bit more time on that. 702-365-9200. I'm open to the top of the hour. The question I asked you, the call to action. What has changed since Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have come in from the media perception of the Raiders? What have you noticed specifically? Name the show. Name the host. What have you noticed on the respect that the Raiders are now getting? Or maybe you haven't seen it yet. 702-365-9200. Mitch in Jersey. You're up next. Mitch, go ahead. Hey, JT. Um, I didn't know that we're going to be an explosive team. New, it's going to be a new look. We just got to worry about our defense. You think we can take a fire on Baker and will football expand and Vegas will expand to other sports? You say take a fly. You say take a flyer on Baker Mayfield. I mean, they're not. Come on, no, no. Appreciate the call, Mitch. Come on. I mean, Baker Mayfield is a starter in this league. He's a starter. Baker Mayfield would not be good in Vegas as a backup, who Derek Carr would never let on the field under any circumstance. And that's a compliment to Derek. Derek doesn't come off the field. Even when Marcus Mariota came on the field, Derek didn't come off the field. He lined up a wide receiver, which I never understood. Never understood that. Never understood what that was about. But Derek's not going to go to the quarterback room every day with Baker Mayfield. And Baker, (laughs) I, I like Baker. I'm a Baker fan. If Derek wasn't here, and I'm thrilled he's going to be here, I like Baker. But, no, Baker's not a backup quarterback. Baker should be the starter in Seattle. He should be the starter in Atlanta. He's better than Marcus Mariota. He should be the starter in Carolina. He's good enough to come in there and play, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get a real good chance to do it. 702-365-9200. When we come back, more of this NFL news that is coming up. There's a ton of news still out, and everybody talking about Roger Goodell, the new movement around the league, the players that are changing teams and the power structure, and the draft is right around the corner. Player was taken number two overall, great career in college at Washington State, now a heck of an analyst. Ryan Leaf will join us as we continue. JT on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. That's up to the investigators. They will make the determination of when to do that and who to do that with. We will seek to speak to everybody who can give us a perspective and try to get to the bottom line and and the facts. Roger Goodell speaking at the Breakers yesterday. Always big when he talks. Super Bowl, owners meetings. He gives the media time and they pepper him. They peppered him with a lot of tough questions. JT, back with you. Meetupvegas.com. You hear those. Everybody says that people yell out their cars. 
JT, thanks for the meat hookup. I never thought I'd be hooking up everybody with meat in Vegas. We got the hookup for you. Meetupvegas.com, code word JT Brick. You put my name in there. You'll get a discount. They'll deliver it to your house. The meat comes to my house. I don't go to the store. I don't want to go to the store. I hate going to the store. I get it. Restaurant quality steaks. My freezer's packed. My garage freezer's packed. I love it. Meetupvegas.com. Code word JT Brick. We got him. Ryan Leaf, kind enough to join us. College football and NFL analyst. And he joins us today on Raider Nation Radio. Ryan, we just talked about it with a previous guest. I'll start off with you, the same one. What do you think? How much do you like the new overtime rule change? Well, yeah, I wanted to see a change. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I don't like the fact that, uh, that it's, if you're going to institute the rule, just make it a rule for, for every game because there are going to be games in week 18 that uh, are setting up the number one seed in the NFL playoffs, maybe, uh, you know, record for, uh, for draft picks. I mean, there's importance in every game that's played, so why not have the same protocols in the overtimes? I don't necessarily know if I like that. I was a guy that wanted just a, a fifth, fifth quarter and let him play so there's nothing compartmentalized. Him, the other team getting in a possession, that allows it a little bit of that. So uh, I, I'm in favor of it. I like what, what they did here. And uh, I am one of the mindsets, though, uh, if you're a, a defensive team, get a stop, too. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's meaningful. Uh, this is about that Buffalo Bills-Kansas City game because the game was so well played, especially on the offensive end. You don't feel like uh, it ended the right way. Um, maybe that was the final catalyst that got the ownership over the, over the line of demarcation today. But now we have a new overtime thought process and we'll see how it plays out if it plays out i heard a lot of things josh allen's happy i I don't know how josh allen's happy it didn't happen when he needed it to happen (laughs) he may never even be in an experience in in a situation like that ever in the game again and he needed it last divisional play or afc championship or divisional playoff round that it was ryan leaf jones just one more follow-up on that ryan i'm good with it in the playoffs because in the regular season if you have three early games you know we're out west if you have these early games that start at 10 a.m and three of them are going into overtime, and they last long. A team gets a six-minute drive, doesn't get the two-point conversion. Another team gets a seven-minute drive. You know, it bleeds in, and you know television and radio now. You just can't have chaos where other games don't start on time. And in the playoffs, I think the owner said it. I heard Arthur Blank say it, that he just thought it's more entertaining for the fans. It's an opportunity to give the fans more entertaining football at the end of a great game, especially in the playoffs with everything on the line. So I guess I'm good with it, too. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, you know, what I like about the NFL is usually you can revolve around it in a three-hour window during the regular season, right, when you move on mm-hmm. um, to those afternoon games. So, yeah, that, that, that makes sense, too. Ryan Leaf joins us. Ryan, I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield, and I think he's getting the raw end of this deal. That's just my opinion. Chris Mortensen said that the Browns want a grown-up at quarterback. All the guy did was win the Heisman and break the all-time rookie touchdown record. You came in as, in as an acclaimed rookie, too, with Peyton, and you know how tough it is to break the all-time rookie touchdown record. It's not easy. And he led his franchise. He led his franchise to a playoff win in the division. So I think he's done a lot of good stuff. And, Ryan, he played through injury last year where he could have completely shut it down and shut it down and said, my health means more to me, I'm not playing anymore, and got healthy. Where do you stand on Baker, and where do you think he's going to land? Yeah, I'm right there with you, JT. I, I, I don't understand where, the, where the, the malice comes from. He only did something that hadn't been done in, 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 in years, and that's take the Cleveland Browns to a playoff, playoff game, win a playoff game, and then have a real shot if, if Kevin Stefanski 
had more experience, he may not punt that ball away in that divisional round against the Chiefs, uh, you know, knowing that he probably wouldn't see the ball again um, and allow Baker to maybe go for it on fourth down. So, yeah, it, in, incredibly interesting the way it's all played out. I, I think what we've seen uh, over the last few years uh, and the difference between a championship team and a non-championship team is razor thin. Uh, enough so that Joe, Jimmy Garoppolo takes the likes of the, the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl and is probably a throw away, an overthrow away in that, that game in Miami against the Chiefs. And they immediately, uh, in response the next year after an injury-prone year from Jimmy, to, to you know, really kind of mortgage their future and give away a lot of draft capital to get a quarterback that they don't seem very resolute on right now. So it, it's about these these slim margins right now. And they just feel like no matter what Baker does, no matter how good Baker is, ultimately he just isn't enough to get him over the top and get him to, uh, to get him to a championship caliber team. I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't like the way it's played out. I certainly don't like the stuff that was leaked that you talked about. We need a grown up in the, in, in the quarterback room. And then you go out and sign a guy who has 22 civil lawsuits uh, filed against him. I don't know how grown up that seems, in, in retrospect, uh, either. So I, I don't like how it's played out. I know he's going to end up somewhere where he, be, he is the starter and he's going to have a and continue to have a successful career. Ryan Leaf is our guest as we move on. I, I'm happy because I was just going to talk about Deshaun Watson and the fact that, you know, these accusations are there. He won't be charged criminally. And I think that was enough for Jimmy Haslam and the organization to say this is a generational talent. Now, Ryan, we have a few of them because Lamar Jackson's brilliant with his legs and he can make every throw. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. We've talked about these guys with you, but I'm a big believer that he can put a team on his back with his legs and his arms. And if you get 10 years with him, he could maybe put you in a Super Bowl or two and get you a championship here. Bumpy, do you think it's going to be in that market in Cleveland where a lot of good players have gone thinking they were going to be the savior since Jim Brown and the only savior they've had is LeBron James, and he doesn't play football. He plays in the NBA. It's not easy to win in Cleveland. No, it's not. And for the longest time, you know, when I was doing a lot of analysis over the last few years, the systemic issues that existed in Cleveland made me wonder whether anybody would truly want to go there. Baker Mayfield had the, the swag and the swagger uh, of a guy that could lead his team and become something bigger than that. And I really felt like they were going in that direction. Deshaun Watson is an incredible athlete, incredible player, incredible leader on the football field. He has all those qualities. He took Houston to the playoffs, had one of the better um, uh, game-winning drives against the likes of the Buffalo Bills a couple years ago. But he's also a guy that got, you know, resentful, uh, told the team he did no longer want to play for him, essentially said, hey, I'm, I'm done with you. Uh, they wouldn't get rid of him, so sat the entire year. I know it wasn't all on what he wanted to do because of the ongoing issues off the field, but this is also that guy. And, and then for Haslam to go out and pay him the first guaranteed contract ever, uh, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't set a good tone. Now, if he goes out and wins you a championship in Cleveland, for every Browns fan out there, they'll be over the moon, right? Because the NFL is what the NFL is, right? It is a money-printing machine. And it's about entertainment, and there are 32 owners that are chasing that almighty dollar and a championship, and they'll do anything to get it. Ryan Leaf is our guest as we wrap it up. Speaking of NFL owners, what was your opinion on this mandate now for a woman or a minority to have to be involved with the offense now as a coach, working closely 
with the head coach here. Why couldn't we figure this out as a league in 2022? It's not the 50s or 60s. We've had the Rooney rule in place for a long time. You played in the league. And now you see this here, and it's almost at a point where they're putting their hands up saying, we weren't able to get more minority hires as head coaches and executives in this league. So we're going to do something now, which is a mandate. It is a mandate, and this country gets all triggered, and they freak out when you hear the term mandate. But the NFL just dropped that on the owners to do this for women and minority candidates. Were you surprised that it took so long? Were you surprised by this decision? Do you think it'll help? Well, I was surprised simply because, you know, Roger Goodell is, is the 32 owner's puppet, right? Puppet, right? So I always uh, wonder about these things, how it comes to fruition, how uh, suspensions and fines against owners happen through the league, because, you know, essentially he works for them. So this mandate had to have been discussed uh, through ownership. There's no way it was just uh, an original thought by Roger Goodell and the guys in the NFL, guys and gals in the NFL, right? It, it, it simply is a proven fact that the NFL will, will do whatever they want to do, okay? And sometimes I'm just, um, I've kind of given up the idea that when Roger Goodell speaks or when we hear owners talk about this, that, and the other in terms of diversity or, or uh, the Rooney Rule or anything like that, they're, they're ultimately going to do what they want to do. It's a private company, right? It is very uh, up to the sponsors and the fan bases, but as we see over the last three years, that, that's not going away. In fact, it's only gotten bigger and better. So uh, nothing shocks me uh, because I, I necessarily don't believe anything that ultimately comes out of the NFL. There's going to be uh, the mandate that exists. I think it's going to be helpful. Uh, I think it's warranted. Um, and to your point around mandates and how people get triggered, uh, they may get that way, but it's a privately run company, right? It's the NFL. They're going to do whatever they want to do. And uh, if people have a problem with it, uh, you're not going to be in that league, right? You're going to do what you have to do in that process. Thank you, Ryan. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Always like our conversations. Thanks for doing this. You bet. Good to talk to you again, JT. You got it. Ryan Leaf, fantastic what he had to say. Man, real critical on the NFL from Ryan. I didn't expect that because he does some work around. He fills in on big radio shows. He does a lot of you know, analyst work around the league there. But those are strong opinions on the puppet, Roger Goodell being the puppet, and the issue here of what he has to decide on in this mandate going forward. The owners want the best for them, which is important because they're the business owners. They put the risk out there. They make a lot of money, fortunately for them. In return, they deserve to. It's a big investment. They got into the industry. These families that bought football teams, you know, 50, 60, 100 years ago, however long it is, they deserve the profits. They're business people. But now there's a lot of issues surrounding the sport. There's a lot of background noise with media. And they want to get that all up the books. They want the league to look great 24-7. And the commissioner, when people complain about what Goodell makes, Goodell makes this type of money because he can make it. He can make it. It's like an actor. You know, an actor gets offered $20 million, He's not turning it down saying, no, pay me 15 The owners know what the commissioner makes. And if their profits continue to go up, the television right fee is going to go up. Goodell continues to make more and more money. To the point when you're making 40 to $50 million, you can become a billionaire down the road if you invest correctly. And you're hanging out with a bunch of billionaires who have a lot of other investments and a lot of other successful ventures around the world. Roger Goodell's got to earn that money. But he's open to criticism. And the Deshaun Watson 
potential suspension is going to be a big one because Spygate and Deflategate were unique and it divided a lot of people, but everybody enjoyed the Patriots getting slapped on the wrist as they were winning six Super Bowls. Hey, a little penalty there, they lose a draft pick. When it comes to something like Deshaun Watson and the treatment of women, it's a much bigger decision for Roger Goodell. And he's got to get it right. And, and I, don't, I think he's in a no-win situation. Because if he gives them six games, they're going to say eight. If they give them eight, they're going to say ten. If it's ten, they're going to say, why not a whole season? Don't you respect women? It's a tough spot that they're in right now. The other big story coming the owners' meeting were the overtime rule changes. I support it because overtime in the playoffs is the top of the food chain. It, the Super Bowl is the number one story. So this would happen in the Super Bowl, the postseason. In the playoffs, no one cares. They want the game to end as exciting as it can. You don't want a playoff game ending 34-3. to A playoff game in overtime where both teams touch the ball and it's tied at 27, that makes the sport better. They got that right. I think that was a big story for them this week, and they, they had a positive storyline considering how many negative stories were covered at the press conference yesterday. Uh, the big story today, too, Arden Key signs a contract with the Jaguars. We all remember him. We wish Arden Key the best. He's had a lot of problems throughout his career, a lot of problems throughout his career, and he keeps getting chance after chance after chance. And the Jaguars are on a free roll. They're spending all this money. Arden Key had three disappointing seasons here with the Raiders. He broke loose with the 49ers, and because he's in the league and his conduct is keeping him in the league, which is a good thing. He gets an opportunity now. And San Francisco moved key all over the defensive line and found success with him. He had six and a half sacks, second on the team to Nick Bosa. And this team went into Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers. He's 25 years old. I didn't know that. I would have said he was a little bit older than that, but it makes sense now. So when guys leave the Raiders and they don't perform well, You wish them well, and you hope they get their careers back going again. These are young men. They're going to have ups and downs. I ran into Clee Farrell uh, the other night. I'll leave that out where, but I just ran into him in a great environment. I was with my wife. He had a big smile. He was happy. I said, good luck coming up here. You want Clee Farrell to do good. He was drafted number four overall. He's a really big, talented, strong guy, and he shows some pop from time to time. But with this new regime... He's got to prove that he can be here or they're going to move him. So maybe this is the moment where he takes his game to the level and the expectations everyone thought. You don't know. That's why Josh McDaniels wants him on the field. Dave Ziegler wants to look at the film. And they want to bring this team together with better players without overspending and reaching in the draft and reaching in free agency. And that's hard to do. Hell of a show. Ryan Leaf, Brian Windhorst, Raymond Chester. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. I put my hands up. I say thank you, Bobby, for producing that show. You made my life easier today. I'm on the radio every night, 7 to 10 p.m. on Sirius XM. Also, tune in on Sirius XM 82. Q and Vinny coming up back to back.